Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to Manic Rambling Spiral. I am John R. Bray. And I am Heather B. Armstrong. We are here for our for a January episode that is probably going to take a slightly different form than either of us imagined when we talked last week. Yes. Because, because Coco, Coco is elsewhere. Yeah. <laughs> I am going to do my best to hold it together, to hold my shit together. Let's just get the E put on the episode already. And let's just both acknowledge the fact that you're probably going to cry. Mm, okay. Understandably. <laughs> I mean, unless you're all cried out, but I have a feeling that, you know, that just doesn't happen. Uh, you were saying as we were about to hit record that, so you and I had a conversation last week about some ideas that we had going forward about this, about the podcast and, right. and things. And and it was the first time we had talked in, in a while, probably yeah. since our last episode. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Pete and I got very, very sick over the break. Um, so. <laughs> so for anyone who was wondering how Heather was going to spend those child-free days, <laughs> that's how she did it. Yeah. Uh, and I was upstairs. I had just gotten out of the shower because I had spent the morning crying. <laughs> uh, just gotten the news that she could possibly have pancreatitis, which in the di- the prognosis wasn't going to be good. Oh, I for- oh, yeah. So this timeline is even more condensed than yeah. I so, was thinking. I forgot that it was that morning. Yeah. Well, I, I, had, I learned about that the previous day. And so I was just a little torn up before I talked to you. And at the very end of our conversation, um, okay, I'm going to breathe. <laughs> uh, uh, Pete's son was here and he called up and he said, Heather. Uh, and I said, yeah, I'm on the phone. He said, well, um, there's some blood down here. I don't know what it is. Um, and I said to you, I think I, I think I need to go. <laughs> and yeah. yeah. Um, and then I went downstairs to a crime scene. Is all I can say. I guess I should issue another trigger warning about all of this. Uh, there was blood. Um, and this is how good of a dog she is. She was. Um, there was blood all over. She must have been lying down in the living room. And we have hardwood floors and we have rugs on top of them. And there was blood all over the hardwood floor where she usually would nap. And then there was just drippings. Um, and I followed it. And she, when she heard me, she found her way to the back door and just stood there and looked at me. And I could see it dripping from her backside. Ugh. So I let her out and uh, cleaned it up, um, called Pete, um, and when she got back in, it had stopped. So I cleaned her up and just got her comfortable, and we decided that we would wait to see how she made it through the night, just because she parked up a bit. Um, And then it was the next day that... She told me. <laughs> she told me. Um, blood started coming out of the front of her face. 
And I didn't write about this in the first part of the story, but the vet said that that is an indication of a tumor. It could be in her sinus cavity because the stench was coming from her nose and her mouth. Uh, It was a clear stench of death and rot. Um, And that kind of tumor can cause um, various parts of her body to stop working. And that's probably why she was bleeding from both ends. But they, they were like, I mean, we would have to find the tumor and then they would have to do surgery. And she just looked at us and she said, most dogs don't live through it. Right. And so, you know, I immediately, (laughs) I immediately just, I just tucked my head right underneath Pete's arm and started sobbing and they said, let's leave you alone for a minute. And I had already done. And this is the new vet. Yes. This is the new vet that Coco adored the last three times we were there. And I had already done some research. I mean, I had Chuck put down on the house as well, but I lost the information for that vet. And I did some research about other vets who come to your home and we, they came back into the room and said, we can do it here. And I, and Pete was like, no, no, we got to take her home. We got to, we got to go get the girls. And we said, you know, how soon? And she's like, you need to get it done now. So that vet will not do it. They, no, they would have done it. No, they, they would have done it at home, but they would have had to wait until Saturday night. And, Uh, and they sort of looked at us like, we don't think they basically communicated to us and the way they looked at us that she wasn't going to make it that long. Right. And then she would suffer and you didn't yeah. want that. So um, I called this service and they said, we can have someone at your house at three. And so I'm sorry, 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 sorry. Um, and this will be in the second part, but we, I'm sorry, I'm talking so much. <laughs> it just was. Uh, this, this is, this is okay. I mean, Coco has been in your life for her whole life. Yeah. So this is a this is a big thing. This is a a tremendous loss. Yeah, it was just so fast. It happened so fast. Um and uh there was a lot that we needed to get done in the 4 hours that we had. You know, I needed I I called my friend and I said I knew it was her birthday. And I was like, "Do you know?" Oh no. Yeah. I said, she's, she's the photographer that I, I use for family portraits and whatnot. And I said, do you know anybody who at the last minute can come over? And she did. And he was there within 20 minutes. Oh, wow. And he took the most spectacular photos of Coco with the kids and with the family. And it was incredible. Um, but I, I had to go and send, some text messages and arrange things and my mom wanted to be there and we called up um his niece who watches the house and her dog is really good friends with coco and she and her husband were here with their dog um but so he left me to send all those text messages and arrange for people to come and he went and he got his First, he got his daughter. And now you have to understand that his daughter loved that dog probably more than anything in the world. And I know that she welcomed us into her home. The divorce um, has been really, really hard on her like it is on every child. And I really do right. believe that Coco um, was very healing when we moved in for her. You know, there's, you have certain moments in your life and you're, you know, that like when you get to the end, you're going to like have these things flash through your head, certain moments of sitting on the couch, sending text messages when I heard her come through the door and she was wailing, she was wailing. And I, that's the sound of her wailing will be something that I will remember always and then he went in and got Marlo, and Marlo wasn't didn't make a sound. It was the look on Marlo's face. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, 
Well, Marlo's never known life without Coco. No. No. I mean, and Coco, uh, Marlo became Coco's job when Marlo was born. I mean, Coco knew immediately, right. like, oh, this is my job now. And uh, so it was really, really, I mean, it was a very tender three-hour period with all of them and everybody sharing memories and and while we shared memories everybody gathered all of the cocoa paraphernalia around her leashes and stuffed toys and it uh it was uh, it was so good to have everyone there it was so good <laughs> And comforting, and it was sacred. It was sacred. Ha <laughs> Mormon word. Mormon word. <laughs> I mean, do you want to hear all of this? I guess. <laughs> I I do. I mean, it's interesting because you last night you texted me a link to the to the part one post, which I mean I I would have read anyway because I like your writing, but I don't think in the entire time I've known you, you've ever sent me a link to your own writing to read it. So I knew that this was one that I needed to read. And I read it with, with Lily in my lap. She had just curled up in my lap and fallen asleep. And all of this has been really interesting for me because before Lily, I still would have felt for you and I would have understood the sadness, but all of it would have been very muted. Yeah. Because I, I mean, I haven't had a dog for 20 years and you can say, well, I know dogs mean a lot to people. Like I know Coco was a part of the family. I, I know all of that, but I would have known it all in a very logical way. Mm-hmm. But now with Lily, I know it all in a very different, like more of an emotional Well, she's your dog. Way. She's your dog. And I can't, I mean, and she's, she, she turns one this month, actually, <laughs> in two weeks. And I know she's a small dog. She is going to live to be very old. But reading that post just made, it made me ache knowing that there is going to be a day that I'm going to have to go through what you went through, even if, even if she, she dies of nothing but old age, I'm going to have to face what that loss is like. Yeah. Yeah. And it's almost like I, it's, there's a part of me that just thinks like I should not have gotten a dog because you're just welcoming that moment into your life. And not that it's not that it's bad, but there's just a bittersweet quality to it and i truly i can't imagine i can't imagine walking through that with my dog well you say you know you you regret there's there's little tinges of regret sometimes when you get a dog because you realize what you're going to be faced with but i i think i may have told you that i signed up for a water color class you did yeah. yeah and um the first it's on it's every monday and the first lesson is all about there's no painting involved with whoever you have to draw a perspective like teaching you how to what's you know close and, and then what's in the distance and how you how you draw those lines like the different theories of linear perspective and yeah all that. and okay it's really interesting the way it it was taught like i hadn't i mean i knew about perspective and art but the way he, he taught it was made so much more sense than i've ever known and if anything about this whole experience with her the perspective that i have on so much else in life <laughs> and i was like i'm not gonna be one of those the theme of 2020 is, <laughs> but I think I am, I guess I was just like, okay, this is the year that I gain some fucking perspective. And that's what going through this has really, really emphasized. Just if anyone listening has not read part one, I th- it's, it's definitely worth reading. 
And if you're a crier, you will, you will cry. But one thing I want to mention that I found really interesting about it is that while all of this is happening and it's all very, it's all very sad. The way that I read the post is after, after Pete's son called you down and you found her and she was bleeding and went out and you cleaned her up. I feel like, and I know there was another, another episode of her bleeding, but a lot of her time after that, the way that you wrote about it sounds like she was very happy. Like she was largely okay. Like happy that you were there and you said she was excited to see the vet. Like despite everything that was going on with her, it seemed like there was a, like a lot of life at the end. Remarkably. I mean, Pete has talked about this endlessly. I mean, she never stopped eating or drinking. And she perked up when the kids came home. I mean, she wasn't making any noise anymore, but she perked up. Um, yeah, she she didn't act like she was in pain. She was, you know, when it's called the wiggle butt with Aussies. She would do her wiggle butt when she was happy about things and she was still begging at the table and, you know, she, she, yeah, it was, it was amazing to experience knowing, knowing the bad news. Right. Um, and, and I, I, I kind of, our conversations had blurred. So for some reason I was thinking that I mentioned this back when we talked in December, but I'm realizing now that it was when we talked last week. And you made a comment to me that, you know, she had perked up after the kids were home. And I, I, I don't remember exactly what I said, but I said something to the effect of maybe like if she is on the decline, this was what she was waiting for Yeah, to have everybody home. Like her herd is back. She sees that everyone's there. Everyone's together. Everyone is safe. And now she can, she can go. When Chuck died, uh, I was going to do it by myself because the kids were in New York and it needed to happen because I had to leave town again and he was not okay. He was really, really, really not okay. And um, I had scheduled the, the vet to come over and I suddenly realized two hours before that vet got there that I needed someone to be in the room with me. So I called my friend Ivy. Thank God she was there. So I already knew that at some point in the future, if we had to put Coco down that I was going to be the one holding her. And, you know, mind you, I'll back up just for a second. When his niece, when Pete's niece got here with um, their dog, Zuzu, it's a Ridgeback mix. Or no, sorry, it's a Vishla. <laughs> uh, Zuzu knew something was wrong. And knew probably what was going to happen. I don't know if this is because of the odor or what was happening, but Zuzu was like, couldn't be in the room. Um, dogs are fascinating. <laughs> Animals are fascinating. Um, yes, they are. So when it came time, um, a man showed up and he talked about everything and he was so sweet. And um, uh, Pete's children did not want to be in the room. And I completely understand that. Absolutely. But Marlo was insistent that she hold some part of her body while the whole thing happened. Um, so his, his kids left and Lita was there and Lita was crying, which <laughs> I was going to ask. Cause Lita was never, never, not now that she disliked Coco, but was never really head over heels. No, she's not an animal person like me and Marlo. Right. Um, and I know people probably don't believe that about me, but I mean, again, they used to, growing up, they would have to distract me in the car if they saw roadkill because I would be distraught for days. <laughs> um, Lita was crying and Lita stayed in the room, but um, when a dog passes, they can soak themselves and... So we had, we put down a sheet and a, and a blanket, uh, a towel, and then he put down some pads underneath her. And uh, uh, Marlo held her head, 
and I held her body and Pete held the end of her body. He, he talked us through the whole thing. He said, I'm going to inject her with a, uh, a, a sedative that's going to relax her so that n- none of this is painful. And this is different than what happened with Chuck because I think they gave him the sedative and whatever agent it is that puts the dog to sleep at the same time. And he was gone within three seconds. Oh, wow. Um, so the three of us were sitting in the middle of the rug and he came over and he in- injected her with probably something similar to the Valium I take at night. <laughs> and she, she's, she screeched because of the, you know, the needle and Marlo right. just started crying. And I said, it's okay. It's okay. It's just a pinch. And I could see the relaxation in Keko's face. So I was like, yeah, it feels good. Doesn't it, hun? And, and he said, let's give her, you know, let's give her about five minutes just so we make sure that she's fully relaxed and, I made her look, sorry, I made her look at me. Like I, I had Marlo turn her head so that I could look at her in the eyes, and she did. And she looked at me the whole time. And I put my hand on top of her head, and my right hand, and then the other hand holding underneath her. And um, towards the end of that five minutes, to God, I'm not making this up. Like you just have these conversations with your animals. I mean, Chuck told me he wanted to go. And okay. And right before he gave her the I should know whatever it is the agent that they use. I was looking at her and I swear to God she looked at me and in her eyes she was like I have to go please tell me that you've got this I need to know that you've got this and I said out loud and everybody in the room heard me I said you are the best business partner I ever had (laughs) You're the best business partner I ever had. You took care of it, and now it's my turn. And and she looked at me again, and she said, promise me. And I looked at her in the eyes, and I said silently, yes, I've got this. And that's when the pulse stopped. Yeah. And she had to know that everything was she good. She had to know that it was good. <laughs> and in the significance of the day is what I, is sort of the big part of the next part of the story. Um, and I won't talk about it now, but I mean, um, they let me carry her to the car and Marlo followed me the whole way. She wanted to be a part of every moment of it. And and uh, they're going to cremate her and do a paw print and all of that. And then, and this is what people will tell you about. I mean, there's, there's, there's witnessing the death and it's all of that. But what happens is... In the days after, in the hours after, and then in the days, you start to hear noises or you think you see her out of the corner of your eye or you you don't remember that, you're, that oh, wait a minute, you're like, oh, I have to go get her out of her crate. Or why, didn't, why hasn't someone filled her water bowl? And all of these things are gut punches. It's like the grief comes from out of nowhere and it just takes a bat and just smacks you in the gut. And, um, I, 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 I think I was traveling so much, uh, when Chuck died that I think I did not allow myself to grieve what I was supposed to grieve. And I think a lot of 
what I didn't heal then is bubbling up because this grief is like nothing I've ever experienced before. Um, yeah. Well, you, you had, you had Chuck before Lita was born. Yeah. Okay. Two years before. I mean, you had, you've had dogs longer than you've had children. Like if that's, yeah. there's a significant part of your life. Yeah. And they are basically children. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. So. And I mean that both in terms of how much you love them and how much work it is <laughs> and how they can also be a pain in the ass sometimes. <laughs> and you know, we had talked about my business relationship with Coco before about how she knows that when I come home, she's not supposed to scream and throw her body around. Right. I, I'm, I'm the boss. She's sort of my co-boss. We work together to make sure it all works out. And, um, and you know, I cuddled her. I loved her. I gave her treats. I wanted her on the bed at night. Pete would never let her on the bed. <laughs> and he did the last few nights of her life. And, uh, but there's this, <laughs> there's this song by a band called Harm, H-A-A-R-M. Um, and it's called uh, Better Friend. And I had been listening to it for months when one day I was like putting makeup on listening to it and all the lyrics hit me and it's clearly about a suicide. I wish you could have held on for another day and I wish you could have heard your friends and family say it's all going to be okay. I would have been a better friend to you. I should have been a better friend to you. And uh, so really quickly, um, we would give our dogs stupid names and we called her Dame Eleanor Ritzford Fitzsimmons Cocoa Puffs. <laughs> Ritzford Fitzsimmons. Um, <laughs> and, uh, Two nights ago, after everybody was asleep, I needed to go be alone. I just felt it. I needed to go be alone. And I, I just found the place in the floor where she died. And I don't know. I just, I was, I felt so much regret. And I know I have to let go of it. But I didn't know how much I loved her. I just didn't know how much of she held in my heart. You know what? It was like I should have been a better friend. And. But I feel like Coco knew. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like she was aware. I mean, even oh, yeah. if you if you know if you think back on the times where she just annoyed the hell out of you, like she never stopped doing that <laughs> because that's who she was, and she and she knew that you know even though even though it might have been obnoxious, like that you loved her. Yeah. This is all my. This is all my issue. Like Coco. She's like, you, you know, I'm cute. <laughs> you, right. you know, these, like, I'm going to keep squealing and squawking <laughs> because you like you it. You know, this is very unique that there's no other dog like me. And just now, like I've, this is the first time I've been able to get to my email in a while and sit down. And I put that video of this song on my website and I didn't watch it. I just put it there so that people could listen to it if they wanted to. And so I finally sat down and watched the video of this song. Oh my God. And I get to the end and it goes dark. And then the words come up directed by Daniel Fitzsimmons. Really? Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> so you, you picked the right... You picked the right song. When did you say you finally paid attention to the lyrics? That was recently? Yeah, it was about a month ago. Huh. Um, I've liked, I like the band. I like the sound of the band. But then all of a sudden I started, wait a minute. I was like, whoa, back up on the back away. Oh, my God. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So I'm going to go on just a little bit more. <laughs> no, please. And that's interesting, too, because I think we actually talked some time ago on an episode about how you tend to initially pay attention to the music and I immediately will pay attention to the lyrics. Right. Yes. And then it's over time that, you know, we, we notice the other half. So that's, that's interesting. I mean, it makes sense based on how you listen, but that's, that's pretty interesting. When I, yeah, when I heard the lyric, when I, when I finally heard the lyrics, I was in my bathroom putting on makeup and I had to sit down. I'll probably get around to writing the story, but Two days before she died, we were finishing up dinner and Pete and I were sitting there talking and all of a sudden he says, what is that dog doing on our porch? And I turn around and there is this very young black lab sort of running around our front porch and I go outside and it just darts off and, um, and I start to run after it sort of <laughs> just want to see where it's going. Well, I, I mean, I, my, both my feet have healed, but I, and I don't want to do <laughs> anything to like make that. I don't want, I, I don't want that to change. So I, you know, start running after her and I hear the neighbors behind me saying, stop, stop. He's going to come back around. He's going to come back around. He just keeps circling the block. And so lo and behold, you know, a minute later we turn around and he's bounding up the sidewalk. And I said, let's get him blocked into a backyard that didn't have a fence. And I'm not being ageist here. They're older and can't run after her. And I I didn't say this out loud, but I said, listen, I have a dying dog and I think I know what to do. (laughs) So They blocked off one side of the yard and I went to the other side and it took about five minutes, but I coaxed that dog over to me and I said, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And that dog came over and sat in my lap and I hooked my finger around its collar and we called the numbers on the tags and somebody on our street was watching the dog for somebody traveling. Oh, wow. (laughs) And they said, well, he'll be over in 10 minutes or so. And I said, you know what? I'll take the dog over and I'll sit on my porch and wait. And, um, I was like, I wonder what this dog's name is. And, um, I don't know if you remember that there was uh, a friend of mine who came to Paris with me. Yes, About 10 days. just his last trip. Yeah, yep. he's he's been having some difficulties with he's he's in a lot of pain, uh, physical pain, and he suffers from severe depression as well. And we didn't get into a fight, but there was some there was some strained conversations between us recently. And I'm sitting there with his dog, and I turn over its collar, and in giant letters it says marshall which is his name uh, yeah that's what i thought yeah, okay yeah and i wow. was like what the fuck seriously <laughs> what the fuck and i don't know that dog 
But seriously, what the fuck? Because that's also not a super common dog name. No. Like, I don't know. I, I, off the top of my head, I don't know that I've ever encountered a dog named Marshall. No. And it sat there and sort of leaned into me as we waited for the kid to come pick it up. And ah, it was, it was like, like a gift that the dog gave me that it trusted me. And it just all happened. And so my brain right now is just one fucked up mess of like, okay, I gotta get, I gotta get things in order. Like I have bills to pay. I have things to take care of. And all I can do is just like, not all I can do is don't think about it. Don't think about it. Don't think about it. Right. I don't remember where I ever heard this. I don't even remember if it was in, I think it was in relation to people, but this idea that it's it's the first thing you think of when you wake up and, and the last thing you think of before you go to sleep, right? Yeah. Until one day you wake up and it's not the first thing. Yeah. Like it's the second thing that comes to your mind and then eventually the third. And then it's not that you ever forget it, but it gradually just finds its place into the chronology of your life. Right. And remains there forever as a significant event, but it's just not the first thing that looms over you. Right. Which is different for, for everybody in terms of time. Yeah. And I, I, I read about this, like Pete has been very, I mean, in watching Pete mourn this dog, it has been revelatory for me. It's a revelation because he loved that dog. And I think that Coco's favorite person in the world was him. Honestly. She loved him. Um, and he has been inconsolable at times. And he hasn't tried to stop me from crying. He hasn't tried to control my grief or explain it. Or it's just we're sort of going through it together. And I find myself like at 3 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon is when the sadness just really starts to hit me. And I'm like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. <laughs> Hold it in. Hold it in. And then <laughs> I went. I was so sick yesterday, and I was like, I have to get out of the house and get some air. I'm going to go run to my mailbox. And I walk in, and I know everybody that works there. And this guy named Dylan goes, hey, how's it going? And I'm like, you know, it's going. He goes, how's your day? And I said, oh, well, you know, my dog died. <laughs> and he's like, oh. I said, I know, that's really awkward. Um, and you're, what are you even supposed to say to me after that? But I think if I just say it out loud, sometimes it helps me not cry. So I, I needed to do that. Thank you. <laughs> right. Rather than saying, oh, it's fine. Yeah, oh, yeah normal day. Yeah. But I, I remember sitting with sitting with you and Pete when you were here in Chicago and we were talking about a Coco. I think we were talking about just in, in general, like the two of you having Coco and I was asking him, you know, his position about dogs and you brought up that awful squawking that she used to do and just mat as like as matter of fact as possible, Pete was like, oh, I like it. <laughs> I and it wasn't like he was trying to be contradictory. He genuinely enjoyed that about her. And I, I felt like he just, he just liked the dog, no questions asked. He never, ever spoke a crossword to that dog. Not once. <laughs> he never, never. I talk about the fact that she talks. She, she started, uh, whenever he or his daughter would come home, she started screaming hurrah like hurrah and we joked at one time that she was screaming error error oh, error I remember, I remember you saying that yeah. and he would encourage it every time he walked in the house he would start screaming hurrah and she would hear him and she would start screaming it through the house running down the stairs to find him and he has video after video after video of her doing it and he loved it. And so we're having that word engraved on the plaque that will go on her ashes. Oh, man. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. So many people would come over and she would 
make that noise. And they're like, I've never heard a dog do this before. And I was like, I know. She's special. <laughs> so, oh, man. yeah, I'm. That's, that's touching that you remember he said that. I mean, he did. He never spoke a, a crossword to her. It's interesting to see how they develop. I mean, so much of this is so new to me, and I always feel dumb saying it to people who've had dogs forever because, of course, it's obvious after you own one. But to see that the how different their relationship is with people. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, dogs don't like some people and like other people, but I mean just the people that they like. Like, Coco knew what you liked and didn't like and responded accordingly. And, like, she knew that that Pete wanted to hear that. Mm-hmm. And that was awesome for her. And it's it's the same thing with Lexan and I with Lily. When I'm with Lily and he's at Heather's house or gone, she's very quiet. She's fun. She's got a ton of energy, but she's very quiet. The second he walks in, she grabs a toy. She starts barking <laughs> and running circles. Like, she's lost her mind. And I finally had to realize... Like I had to pay attention to Lex and I'm like, oh, he likes this. <laughs> this is how he wants to engage with her. Right. I can't stand it. But they're both very happy with the dynamic. Exactly. And I'm glad that she recognizes like you can't always be this way. <laughs> but it's it's so it's so interesting to see that she just knows she's like, oh, he's home. I can do this now. Mm-hmm. And he's going to protect me from her saying that I can't. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, to the point where now I like I realize it's going to happen. I'm like, I'm going to go upstairs into my office, and you can deal with this. And I'll I will hear her just barking and running for five ten minutes as he plays with her, and he loves it. He's happy as can be. She loves it. I just can't stand. It. <laughs> oh my god. I know it's it's a lot. It is a lot. Um, yeah, because they really don't grow out of it. I mean, she, the only time that she's stopped was at the end, at the very end. I mean, she was bounding out of the house screaming, I mean, up until right before Christmas at 12 years old. Right. Um, and I mean, if Pete and his daughter would play fetch with her in the house. And I was like, you guys, <laughs> you're going to break something. And he'd go, oh, Coco, come here. Shh, shh, shh. She's going to get mad. She's going to get mad. <laughs> oh, God. But it's weird because right, like then that stops, right? She stops doing those things. And immediately in your brain, you're like, oh, I missed that. Oh, yeah. That thing I hated is done. And now I'm, and I think it's the same exact thing with kids. Like they go through these phases that at the time are just, fucking awful and then when they get out of it you're like i kind of i kind of miss yeah that period yeah exactly exactly it's the eccentricities of these creatures in our lives that at times can be oh my god really do you have to and then right. and then when it's over you're like that eccentricity was her spirit that's who she was yeah yeah and when that stopped, that like that's why you feel it because you realize like, well, that's a part of her now that's gone. Yeah. Like even though I might have found it really obnoxious, <laughs> it doesn't feel right without it. <laughs> oh God, oh, my God! I was like, but you you posted a, like a clip or two of her to your Instagram stories where she's making that. Oh yeah whatever sort of death squeal that is. I mean, it was the weirdest fucking noise. Honestly, (laughs) I watched that same clip probably half a dozen times because I couldn't process what it was. Mm -hmm. And what was really interesting is I've watched either in stories or even if I'm watching something on Netflix and a dog barks, Lily will lose her mind. Yeah. Not with the sounds that Coco was making. She didn't even move. Like, I don't think she knew it was a dog because it was such a weird yeah. sound. So uh, he has he has video after video after video of it, like so many videos, because he, he just loved it. He would walk in and he'd turn on his phone and he would start going, Rah! and she would, you know. So Coco... Driving Coco anywhere was maddening. Anywhere. 
she would get in the car and she would just start whining and making that noise. And it didn't matter where we were going. But uh, I wrote in the post that when we went to the vet, she didn't make a single noise. She didn't move. She didn't. And um, his niece's husband, who would stay here when they house sat and dogs sat, he said they once uh, put the dogs in the car and drove over to Liberty Park, which is where I would walk Coco every day after I was writing my book. Like I'd write for four or five hours and then I'd take Coco for like a two mile walk. And he said that they got about uh, a block from Liberty Park and she, he said, I've never in my life experienced what happened. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> she was jumping over the seats and screaming and wailing. And he said, I, the sound, I have never heard that sound in my life. I don't know how she I don't know how she produced it. You can't replicate it. It was, he goes, it was the craziest. And he goes, one of the most significant experiences I've ever had with an animal. And I was like, I know, like, that's what she would do. And oh my gosh, it would drive me crazy. Cause it was like, oh God, do I have to put her in the car? Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) And the silence on the ride to the vet was just so deafening yep yeah yeah again because it's it's that thing you didn't like but then when it's gone you realize how much it was just a part of her identity yeah but it was was really cute for me that you mentioned that her friend came over (laughs) because again before before getting a dog i was just like dogs will play with dogs they're just dogs they don't it doesn't matter it's bullshit. <laughs> they totally fucking have friends. And it's it's so cute. Mm-hmm. Like they 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 know these dogs, they know their names. I Lily actually a really good friends of mine have a dog named Coco, a small like 20 pound little little mix. And if I just say Coco's coming over <laughs> and Lily is like sound asleep. She's up. Her ears are perked. She runs to the front door then the back door then the front door then the back door and then starts to whine because she can't see her. She doesn't know where she is. <laughs> oh my God. And it's great. And she, there's other dogs that she has met and it has no effect if I say their name. Yeah. But if I just, even if I don't say, if I just say Coco, her ears perk up, she's like, where? I need her to be here. So when you said her friend, like she needed to be with her friend, I'm like, that's so cute. I totally understand that now. Oh man. They would, we would be like when we were in Paris, they came for several weeks and they had all these photos of them playing together and sitting on the deck together. And I was like, oh my God. And the dog looks very, 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 very much like Chuck. Oh really? Yeah. And really quickly, like Chuck, she, she tortured Chuck. I mean, she would not leave that dog alone. And he put up with a lot of shit from that dog. <laughs> I mean, she was constantly biting his ears and trying to, you know, egg him on. And, you know, she was always up in his business and he was like, please. And then when Marlo came along and Marlo got to the age where she could, Marlo to start dressing Coco up and putting her in cribs. And I was like, guess what? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> it's your turn now. <laughs> oh, man. And, and I saw initially when Zuzu came over, like, Zuzu was okay. But then Zuzu was like, oh. But you could see Coco totally perked up when she saw her. And, uh. Yeah, they, I'm so glad that you understand all of this now, you know, with that dog yeah. of yours. I mean, you've already given me even more insight. I mean, the fact that what you said about that she knows that Pete liked a certain way of, of, of things happening and she knows I liked a certain way of things happening. And she respected both. Right. Yeah. And thank God he and I are on the same page about letting her go. Um, Oh, right. Oh, that would have been. Yeah. That would have been an argument that would have only made things 
so much worse. We were so on the same page about it. Just so on the same page. And uh, it was just getting the kids ready for the experience. So, yeah. That was kind of why I made that comment too on your post. Like, I think that's a piece of it too. Coco, I mean, as you've always said, was a caretaker. Mm -hmm. Had to have an eye on everyone, had to make sure everyone was okay. And it's almost like she went just before Pete's birthday because she knew that he was there. Like he, he could kind of take over. You were going to take over. Like everything was going to be fine. So it was okay. I, let me say two things. The day that she died was the second an- anniversary of the day that I knew that I was going to be with Pete forever. Okay. And it just, the irony of that is just weird. I mean, like I knew on January 10th, 2018 that I was going to be with him forever. And then she died exactly two years later. Um, and again, she loved him. I think in him, she found a father figure that she had been searching for. And Coco lost, has lost so much in her life. She lost Chuck. She lost John. Uh, She lost several other people, like several other babysitters and whatnot that were all gone. I'm like, she doesn't ever, she never saw them again. And I never left her and she never left me. (laughs) I was her constant. And I think that's why she was talking to me there at the end like that. Absolutely. That's why she gave me the gift of looking in my eyes. So. Which I find especially touching because it's really, really fucking hard to get your dog to look you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for anything, but I'll always, whenever, whenever Lily does anything that she's not supposed to do, I always try to take her little head and like, (laughs) I, I try to fucking talk to her and reason with her because I'm stupid. She will not look me in the eyes no matter <laughs> what. Like she like she knows she's in trouble, so she looks anywhere. And if I hold her head and bring mine as close as I can, she just looks left or right mm-hmm. without blinking yep. and refuses to make <laughs> eye contact. It's just oh. so it is one of those things that's very infuriating, and I know it shouldn't be. But for some reason, I feel like I need that eye contact to like connect and get the point across because it's irrational. I realize that, but it's, I've gotten to the point too, where it's comical. Like no matter what I do, I know you're not going to look at me, but I'm going to try anyway. Cause you know, what's going through their heads. They're like, Oh God, Oh God, Oh God, Oh God, Oh God, I did something wrong. Oh, sorry, but I'm going to do it again. <laughs> I, exactly. Exactly. I'm not going to change, but I'm really sorry about that. Yep. Oh, man. Yeah. And the dogs in my life are gone. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you wonder, too, I mean, it, it, with, with, any, with any dog, but especially a dog with, like, that herd, that herding mentality. Like, to think about losing, losing Chuck, losing John, losing, you know, whatever longtime babysitters that you've had. I always wonder if they, if like for her, this is going to sound really weird to people who don't own dogs. I realize that because I was one of them. If she kind of internalized that and blamed herself, mm-hmm. like it wasn't able to keep this part of the herd. Yeah. Like it's a failure. Mm-hmm. And I read, we might've talked about this, but I read a book last year, maybe or the year before called something like, are we smart enough to know how smart animals are? And the whole concept is that humans always approach studying animals as if there are humans and then there are animals and and sort of ignoring this, the, the fact that we are animals and that we base what we know on animals on what we know about ourselves. So we'll assess animal intelligence with a human test. Right. And then if they don't respond, that obviously means they don't understand 
And the author's entire argument was kind of along, I don't know if you've heard that expression, something like, um, if you judge a fish based on its ability to climb a tree, you'll think it's stupid. <laughs> because they can't. That's not what they're designed to do. So you can't you can't put an animal through like an emotional test that you'd put. Like a, like a dog can't go through that, a human test, and, and pass it or fail it and then be assessed on that. And I just wonder like if they have their own their own way of kind of interpreting and reading that. Yeah. Or maybe I'm just rambling in 10 different directions, no, but no, no. I mean, she, the, the intelligent, like they are, are so again in tune with who, what we want and who we are and our emotions. We, I don't think that we realize just how in tune because even in the weeks before she, she took the downturn when I would get emotional and mind you, we have a business relationship, right? She would, right. she would be in the other room almost as if she could sense it. And she would come over and she put her head in my lap every time. And, <laughs> Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I have. That's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's something it's really hard to describe. I think that the connection, Mm-hmm. And it's, it's interesting and maybe, maybe you're of a different mindset here, but since, since bringing Lily home, people have said, they're like, oh, so you're a dog person now. No, no, still, (laughs) still not actually. I just, I really like my dog and I like the dogs of people that I know, but I don't like, I'm not one of those people that will just run up to every dog I see and ask if I can pet it. And I, I'm not but I am very deeply connected to the one that is in my house. And that's funny because I have joked quite a few times about the fact that I'll be out in public and I'll see a dog outside, like people having brunch. And I'm just like, Oh, what's its name? And Oh, I'll get And then I'll like nuzzle (laughs) it and I'll see another one. I'm like, Oh, what's this one's name? And then I'll get home and I'll be like, stop it. Stop doing that. (laughs) please get out from underneath me. You're going to trip me and I'm going to break my foot and I'm going to be angry. (laughs) Yep. Oh man. All right. Okay. We're good. We're good. We're good. So I guess because, because you said this before we started recording. So you did write a part one. I did. And when part two comes out, it comes out and that's, Whenever that happens to be. Yeah. And, and to our point about, to our point about the eccentricities of our children, I know this is going long, but it's important. Um, I, people don't understand what's required to write in lar- large things. And especially if you're trying to get it up in a, in a timely manner, like blog posts, I don't, a lot of people don't understand the amount of work that goes into it. And because there's all the, there's technology that you have to understand and you want to add links and you want to add pictures and you want to make sure that you got everything right. And, uh, you want to go back and change certain things. And, uh, so I worked on that all day yesterday and Marlo came home from school and she didn't have any homework and proceeded to be Marlo bored. (laughs) <laughs> and I am oh, furiously trying to get this done because I just, I want, I want people want to know what happened and I need to at least give them part of it. And I'm, she would not leave me alone. Just keep coming into the room and what's going on. I said, Marlo, what did I say? Well, I don't know what to do. I said, there's plenty of things to do. Please, I've got to finish this. And she kept doing it again and again and again. And I was ready to scream. But you know, if she had homework, she would have had a list of things she would have rather been doing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And as I sit here and I talk about this, the perspective that I have to take is that my child, my my 10-year-old is not the 10-year-old that my older ch- child was. She's very, very, very different. And I have to, like, 
I should appreciate that eccentricity. Yes. That's really interesting that you say that. I don't have, obviously, two kids, so I can't make the comparison. But I think in some ways with, with you and Lita, it's really easy because Lita is you. <laughs> right? So you know, like, you get that. Yeah. And I, I struggle still, and I'm kind of trying to come to terms with that, that Lexton is very much not me and not in a bad way at all but it's weird because i know me like if i had a kid who was me i know how to deal with that and parts of it would be fucking awful like i i acknowledge that and there are parts of me that would be terrible to deal with but to to go into this like essentially new territory it's weird yeah I mean, for you, like to be yourself and then to have your oldest be a small version of you. And then all of a sudden out of left field is Marlo. I, I'm, I don't, I'm, I'm sure you understand the sentiment. It's like, what are you doing? Why, right. why would you do that? <laughs> yeah. And I'm starting to think the only way to get to process it and get through it is to just know that I'm never going to know. <laughs> Like to just be okay with that. Like I just, I will never understand the rationale or the lack thereof mm-hmm. ever. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not meant to, I guess in the big picture, they're both like both Marlo and Lexton are great. Just very different than who we are. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's weird. But yeah, I mean, it's, it sounds like Coco has kind of put that in perspective, those eccentricities yeah. in perspective. Perspective. The theme of 2020. Oh, man. So, yeah. Well, we'll all look forward to part two. And I do know what's involved. Even even if you had all the content, just the formatting alone can sometimes be a beast. Yeah, you know, and I have to get on a plane in less than two days. Uh, one of Pete's best friends is turning 60 and in the middle of all of this, we had to plan a trip to New York. And Ooh. so maybe I'll write on the plane. I've, I've got to figure out how to get everything done before I get on a plane in two days. I have a theory though. I think, I think with writing that's humorous, which there's a lot of humor in that post. Like despite what you're talking about, there's a lot of emotion and a lot of sadness, but there's a lot of humor. Thank you. And I think with, with, humorous writing and with someone who has your voice that is like very approachable, very casual, very natural, people just assume that's easy to write. I go, it sounds like she's just writing how she would talk. She'd be able to sit down and write this in half an hour, but that's not, that's, that's not really how that works at all. It's a very, significant time commitment yeah and especially when you're writing about something that is emotional well no there's just there's just so many parts of it there's just so many parts of it and uh it's not a straight up i went on a walk with my dog they're just the dimensions of it are just fucking crazy so well and some of that stuff too i think you sit down to write it and as you're writing you're like oh shit this happened too Uh uh-huh and I forgot about that, but now that I'm revisiting this story, that's surfacing. Yeah. So then you kind of have to process that in general and write about it. Yeah. So this is a bit of a heavy episode. Yes. But it's life. And so many people love that dog and didn't even know her. Right. I hope she carries that into... She carries that and all the rest of who she is into to something spectacular next. <laughs> and we all just know that she's going to be squawking loudly <laughs> the entire time. <laughs> oh, so we would, um, if you would like to share your experience, I am absolutely open to hearing it. Um, it feels good to cry <laughs> right now. Um, even though I, I know I've been wearing my sunglasses in public because, oh my gosh, my eyes are swollen shut. Um, (laughs) 
I would love to hear your stories about your own pets. Um, the kids want to get a tortoise, and I was like, "Fuck no!" Um, tortoise? Yeah, they are all like, "Oh, how about we get a tortoise?" And I was like, "No, sorry, turtles live like hundreds and hundreds of years." No. Oh yeah. Um, we'd love to hear your stories, and as always, you can find us online at Manic Ramblings um, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And you can email us to stories at manicramblings.com. And if you'd like to support us, because we're working on some ideas, um, you can find us at patreon.com slash manicramblings. <clears throat> and uh, until next time. Hurrah. Many thanks to Tan Lines for the soundtrack, to Lisa Congdon for the cover art, and to Ryan Coomer for his expertise with the editing stuff. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.